This morning, we are going to pick up, I, I used last week as a, a kind of segue, uh, I had preached, I think, five messages on relationships, and I used last Sunday to try to segue us back into not only where we've come from, but where we're going. So we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and I'll give you kind of the nature of the message today. It's relationships. This is actually part seven. Relationships, part seven, and it is family and fellowship, and I'll explain here in just a moment. So as we began this, one of the premises that I've come to uh, just in ministry is that we don't necessarily relationship well, and that's across the spectrum. We don't have good relationship with God, don't uh, really understand Him many times the way that He wants us to, and that leads us because of bad doctrine to bad belief to bad behavior, bad life. And uh, I believe that God is a whole lot more than about making your life happy, but I will tell you there's nothing greater than knowing the Lord, amen? There's no greater thing you can know on the planet than knowing the Lord is your Savior. But relationships uh, can be broken across the spectrum, and we're going to dive into other relationships uh, as we move forward. Next Sunday is a special Sunday, and marks our 19th anniversary. So next Sunday is our 19th anniversary of when we started the church. That means, if my math is right, next year's 20. And uh, that means that we get to celebrate that as well. But I want to use next week particularly to talk to us as a whole, um, seeing that we have a lot of new people attending fellowship, to kind of give you an understanding of who we are, uh, why fellowship is, uh, why we're doing what we're doing, and where we're going. So next Sunday is going to focus largely on that. But as we think about relationships, when we start with relationships, it really comes from a beginning in this whole series, is what is the nature of a relationship with God? And if we don't have that settled, all the other relationships, really in, in, in my way of explaining, can become a house of cards that does and will crumble and have, be fraught with all kind of difficulty. So we started way back there with why did God create us? He created us to have a relationship with Him and for His glory. And it's important to know that in every individual is this vein of relationship. Now, by the way, I know that there are people that are hermits and, and they're, they're going to hear a message like this and say, don't want none of it. And I'm going to say to you, please get into your Bible and understand the nature of God. He has made you for relationship. And primarily, that relationship is with Him. So he's made you to be in fellowship with him. And then we looked at what is the importance of that relationship. It's going to come out today as well. The importance of the relationship is that it's important enough that Jesus died for you to invite you into this relationship with him. We then looked at the nature of the relationship in several ways. Four to be specific. A relationship with God is a reflection. It's a reflection of him. As a matter of fact, uh, holiness, as God has called all his children to, is a reflection of God's character in your life. So you have verses like 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, where it says, be holy as he is holy. So it is a reflection. It is personal. God is interested in a relationship with you as an individual. So you're not just a little uh, peg moving throughout society, moving throughout life, biding your time until you die. God actually cares about you, has a plan for you. It's a personal relationship. And it is intimate was the next one. That was the third one. It's an intimate relationship, and it's about 
uh, loving the Lord. It's about Him being in you. It's about Him walking with you. It's about being hidden in Christ. For the believer, doctrinally, our lives are hidden in Him. Our lives are to be doctrinally surrendered completely to the Lord who gave Himself for us. So it's intimate. And then we looked one other place, and that is it is constant. The relationship with God is meant to be constant. I, I feel like we're going to be hitting this theme again in the future, but God doesn't have a relationship with you where he has five minutes of your day in the morning or 15 minutes or in half an hour or one day a week or two days a week. God is desirous of a continual and constant relationship with you. Now, there's a whole lot of doctrine back behind all of those things. But when we look at the nature of the relationship we have with the Lord, I've given two F's today. It is about family, and we'll talk about that here just for a moment. So I have you in John chapter 1. It's a verse that many of you know, and it's an understanding that God, and if we look at last week in particular, uh, the recon reconciliation that God has provided through Christ, that he has bought us unto himself for all that have come to him, there's been a great exchange. He's given you his righteousness for your sins. He took your sins upon himself and traded for you his righteousness so that when God the Father looks at you, he sees your sin debt as paid by the only one that could pay it, therefore doing this great exchange and inviting you into this concept. The concept is family. Now, I want to say before I dive into John 1, the concept of family is an interesting concept because we understand that God is the one who institutes the family. God is the one who uh, initiated the idea of family, that we would be in this relationship with God. And God, knowing that our relationship with him was broken, did something to invite us into that relationship with him. Now, I say that partly because today, if there's any broken institution on the planet, if you want to call it that, it is the family, and it is uh, something that is continually being attacked against. There are political movements that actually attack it, but in our own carnal nature, we tear it down and tear it down and tear it down. But understand this, the foundation of family relationship is found in God first. So John chapter 1, a verse that you're very familiar with, John chapter 1 and verse 12. But it, let's read it out loud together. John 1, 12, read it out loud together with me. But as many as received him... To them gave ye power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now the word, uh, their power, has often been translated, has the flavor of the privilege or the right to be called. Some would even say the authority to be called. What authority do you have to be called a child of God? We have no authority in ourselves. It is simply a receiving of the gift that God has given through Christ. That when we receive Christ as our Savior, place our faith in Him, this passage says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He the authority, the right, the privilege to be called or to become the sons of God. And it clarifies even to them that believe on His name. So understand then the nature of your relationship with the Lord. Now, important to clarify, I think sometimes, and this will come out I think later, Sometimes the difficulty that we have in understanding God is comparing God to our human relationships with our father, uh, your dad. And I hope you have a great dad. I hope you have a dad that you can look back on in your life fondly to say, my dad 
uh, was a great dad, did this for me and, and taught me. And, and if you're like most people, you will realize that your dad was probably not perfect. Only slightly off, <laughs> but not perfect. But I want to say this about the relationship with God the Father. The relationship with God the Father is he can be a father to you like no one else can. So as a heavenly father, his presentation of fatherhood, though dads on the planet are to be an example of what his love is like, an example of what his truth is like, we will all fall short. But God never falls short. And he invites you into this. And I think this is, is something important to know. There may be all kinds of broken family relationships on the planet and broken marriages and all those things, but understand this. A relationship with God and his family is the most beautiful picture you can have of what a family is. I will say testimonially that when I got saved, it is one of the concepts that God really anchored in my heart, that I had a father who would never leave me nor forsake me. I had, matter of fact, when I got saved, it's like, it's like I can still remember when I called out on the Savior, it was a sense of finally coming home. A sense of finally being at place where there was a God who loved me. Now, scriptures are full of this concept. So take your Bibles to 1 John. We're going to look at two passages in 1 John. One in chapter 3 and one in chapter 4. Then we'll come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. First John chapter 3 and verse 1. Would you read that out loud with me? First John chapter 3. I'll give you a second. I still hear pages turning. It's a good sound. Amen. So first John chapter 3. Would you read verse 1 out loud with me? Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So it gives a consideration in the first part of this verse. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. So we take a moment to reflect upon this often. Who are we that we should have the privilege of being called a child of God? Who are you that you should be the beneficiary eternally of God's grace? eternally of his kindness, eternally of his spirit and his presence being with you. Who are we that we should deserve such favor? And the truth of it is, we don't deserve it. It says here, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. The idea is he, he sought us, not the other way around. He sought us before we ever sought him. First John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. First John 4, verses 9 and 10. A demonstration of what it means to see the love of God in this family relationship. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. I'll read it for us this time. And this was manifested, or revealed, or put on display. The love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and it doesn't end there, but describes it. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. To be the exchange, to be the satisfying atonement, the satisfactory payment for our sins. This was the manifestation of God's love. 
And this is God's manifestation of his love to you. And it's not a truth that should be lost in this relationship. So I want to go ahead and, and, and again say this morning, two weeks from now, there'll be, there'll be a turning of chapters in relationships. We're going to talk about relationships as a regard scriptures in other relationships and how God guides, instructs, and navigates those. We'll be starting with husband and wife. We'll be talking about children. We'll be talking about church. All these relationships that are so easily broken and will remain so unless we understand our relationship with the Father first. So we start with this platform that God has made an invitation to everyone in this room to be in relationship with him as a family member. He's made the provision. The provision is an invitation to everyone that if you will come to him, if you will believe on him, and what that word belief means is not simply a historical acknowledgement that Jesus existed, but that he is who he said he is, that he is the savior of the world, that he is the God-man who gave himself on your behalf to die on the tree and rose again as God, providing salvation for all who believe. If you will receive that Christ of the Bible, he adopts you into the family. And as being in that family, the scriptures teach that nothing can take you out of that family. Now, we'll, we'll dive into some of those in just a moment. It's important that as we move forward to understand you have to make a decision that God has invited you to as to whether or not you'll become a part of that family. The offer is for everyone, but once he makes you into that family, he is a faithful father who will never leave you nor forsake you. So it's about family. Take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. <coughs> <clears throat> the relationship with God is about family, but it's also about fellowship. We'll be talking more about this next week. But God has taken us who know him as our Savior. He's taken us who were in darkness and made us his children, the children of light. So look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So God tells you that in this relationship, it is now going to be a relationship built on a change that he's made in us. Again, the exchange. We were darkness, blind, lost, outside of him. You know the song, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Can you say amen to that? This, this is what it was to be children of darkness. And by his grace and his grace alone, his love for us, he invites us into redemptive relationship of family. Of family. 
So let me ask you, how tenacious is God in fighting for this relationship? Isn't it interesting that, um, by the way, I, I would say this is true, it's going to come up later, there are friendships that are like family. And you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, it, it feels like you're, it feels like your family. And what do families do sometimes? Well, they fight. They fight. And, and they may be able to fight with each other, but you better never step in and, and pick on their brother or their sister or their, or, or their friend that's like family. I, I'm going to tell on Lydia uh, because I don't know how old they were, but uh, my Lydia, she and Katie used to be best, now Katie Teske. Uh, they were out having uh, fun in the snow in our subdivision, and along came, if I remember right, three boys. This is elementary age, little kids. They came along, and they wanted to have a snowball fight, and uh, the girls said, no, we don't want to. We don't, and the boys looked like they were up to something, being mischievous and all that. They said no. And anyway, things escalated a little bit, and Lydia was making snowballs, and this kid was telling her to give her the, give him the snowballs and Lydia wouldn't do it. it it escalated to the point where this little boy punched Lydia in the nose now Katie was with her and the best and Estes's grew up next door were like family they had their share of fights and share of spit and spat and all that but it was not a moment of hesitation when Lydia had been punched in the nose, in one millisecond, Katie flew over Lydia, was on top of this boy, going poof, 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 poof. Did I get it about right? That's right. Now, Katie, love, peace, forgiveness, but get him! Uh, you know? It, it is a relationship when you love somebody in family, you fight for it. And God's fighting for it took him to the cross. And he translated you who were children of darkness into children of light. And now for the remainder of this message, we're going to focus on two concepts about this fellowship where he's now made us into his family. This fellowship concept is a fellowship concept that God has made us to be with him all the time, now and in the future. So I want to separate those two out for a moment. A fellowship that is now, and because I've preached on this before uh, and intend to go there again, I, I only really have one section of scripture on that, but many on the concept of fellowship with us in the future. So as we embark upon this, this fellowship that God has called us to is something that needs to be acknowledged in each one of us and grown in each one of us if we're actually going to have a walk with God, which we've been talking about in Sunday school, as opposed to a religion. Where we actually have a walk with God as opposed to a church we attend. Where we actually understand and feel close to the God who's made us invited us into his family, made us his children, but now wants to have fellowship with us. 
So, the nature of that fellowship you'll find in John chapter 15, if you take your Bibles there. John chapter 15. The concept that we're going to find here is that when you have a good relationship, you actually want to do something. What do you want to do? When you have a good relationship, what do you want to do? Well, if, you, if a wife has a good relationship with her husband, what does she want to do? She wants to buy him a truck. <laughs> amen. That's the appropriate time to say amen. And if a husband has a good relationship with his wife, what does he want to do? No, he wants to take her for a ride in his truck. Come on, get your Bibles. What are you doing? This is Bible 101. I mean, really. I have a disclaimer in every message. I'm on drugs. Okay. For those of you who don't know, I'm, we're talking about an accident I had some time ago. Um, when you have a good relationship with somebody, you want to spend time with them. Isn't that deep? And I'm pausing here because it needs to settle in. When you have a good relationship with somebody, you want to spend time with them. Now, I, I want to get to your heart today because you're not alone in this. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you didn't want to be with God the way you should? Where you didn't want to be in fellowship with Him the way you knew He wanted you to be? Or you felt lacking in that? That is a common human experience. Why? Because we are sinners. But I want to tell you the great faithfulness of God is that He never stops drawing us into that fellowship. He never stops. You see, it isn't contingent upon you being good enough or you being worthy or you showing enough effort. It is God's faithfulness to draw you, to draw you, to draw you, to draw you. I find that I'm something like my mother. And that is, if I go for a while and I don't hear from my kids who aren't at home, I start to pout. I start to miss them. I start to wish I could hear from them or wish I could see them. Why? Because I love them. And it's the joy of family coming together again to be able to be refreshed and enjoy seeing that relationship once again. But the nature of fellowship with God is He wants that fellowship with us now and all the time. So in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, I apologize, John 15, verses 4 and 5, he tells us this is the nature of a walk with God. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do. For without me ye can do. 
right. The problem is that we're walking through life acting like we're doing something when really what we need is to walk in fellowship with the Lord and understand the closeness of the relationship that He has with us. Now, the nature of that relationship is that God loves us as His child. Now, I, I, you might, might want to argue with this. I'm going to tell you that God loves you no matter what. Now, it doesn't mean He's always pleased with what we do, but He loves us no matter what. He is always for us. He is always for you. And the faithfulness of God in that is in all the reasons that you have to feel like you're not enough. And all the reasons that you have to believe that you're a failure. All the reasons you feel like, God, I, I just don't even know the use of trying anymore because I just keep messing up. What you realize is that you always and ever are in need of dependence on the Lord and your relationship with Him. He did not make you to live life without Him. Hello? He did not make you to live life without Him. I'm going to tell you a lot of the brokenness that we experience in life is because we're doing life without Him. You want God to fix your life? You really have to come to a place where you stop doing it on your own. You stop living independent of Him. Now, by the way, I want, to, I want to speak to this. God knows you've got a job. God knows you've got tasks. Hello? You've got jobs. You've got tasks that keep you busy. And some people say, well, I, I feel guilty because my mind's not on the Lord 100% 100 of the day because I've got this task I'm doing in my job and i got this. You know what? The blessing of the relationship with God is that we may have to give our attention to the things right in front of us but God is the one that keeps initiating that relationship throughout the day. He's the one that keeps drawing you back. He's the one that keeps bringing you to himself. And he is faithful to do so, and he will not stop. But for you and for me, there is a surrender to that and a magnification of that relationship where we actually care about it, pay attention to it, and walk in fellowship with him where we abide in him. So husband and wife get upset with each other. What does it look like? This isn't probably the appropriate time to tell a silly joke, but I'm going to. The joke isn't mine. It's from a comedian. He said, been married. Uh, he said, when I got married, I was given a piece of advice. He said, I could either be happy or I could be right. <laughs> and he said, I've been happy for 47 years. <laughs> now, honestly, I, I, I hear relationships like that, and I think, well, if you can joke with each other, that's one thing. But Lord, help you not to live in that kind of relationship where you don't like each other. If, if husband and wife don't like each other, what happens? They actually start not spending time with each other. And it becomes an ugly cycle of devolving to where you felt apart from each other. Now you are apart from each other. And it just goes down and down and down and down. We'll talk about this in a couple weeks. But the answer is Jesus. And the illustration is simply here. That abiding with the Lord 
is the idea of coming home. He is our shelter. He is our high tower. He is our refuge. He is, as, as Psalm 23 says, it's the idea that we will dwell with Him forever. But this abiding is a nature... Now, I, how do you fathom this? That the great King and God of the ages and the God of all that there is, why should He want you to be with Him? But He does. So much so that in this John 15, 4, this nature of abiding is simply hanging around. Matter of fact, the other day, my wife and I, uh, you know, we're in the house, she's doing her thing, and I'm doing, I'm doing mine, and doing mine these days often is sitting in a chair with my massager on my back. And, and at some point I said to her, I need my wife. And she says, but I'm here. I need you right here with me now. I feel alone. Now, how do you feel alone with all these people banging around the house? I don't know. But I, I said, I just need my wife. And all I wanted was her to come, stop everything she was doing, and sit by me. Why? Because, <laughs> that's a weird statement. She's my wife, but guess what else she is? She's my friend. Isn't that a weird concept? <laughs> the point is, this is the nature of God to you. And I don't feel like I can preach it well enough to let it settle in the right way. But abiding with Him is because God wants to abide with you. And He tells us that's actually how we find a life that produces fruit for His glory. So there's a now abiding and that's going to be every day. He's going to work on your life every day that way. And you will grow in your relationship with the Lord the more you understand a surrender to His fellowship. A surrender to continually walking in Him. Now, time out here. I'm going to tell you, I would like prayer, but what's going to happen is starting next Sunday, I'm going to pick up with the last of, we've had several Sunday school teachers talk about what it means to walk with the Lord. And you might call it counseling, but I'm going to, at least in one of my Sundays in the month of August, spend very specific time on what walking with God looks like very specifically. And I want you to know it so that you can help others and so that you can help yourself in your, in your fellowship with the Lord. But that's coming up. The point is, He wants us to abide with Him always. Now, or I should say, now. He also wants to abide with us in the future. So there are many verses along this line, but the Lord made many promises telling us what, um, that we would live with Him forever and be with Him forever. Take your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And listen to this phrase. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We believe in the coming of our Christ. Amen? We believe in the coming of our Savior who's coming back for us. But He's coming back for us intentionally in that He's coming. He's not sending somebody else. He's coming. And He's coming so that you will be with Him forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And verses 6 through 8. Therefore we are always confident, 2 Corinthians 5, 6. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to beware. So for the believer, this is where we're at. We're either abiding with him right now, or if we are to die, we're going to be abiding with him forever. So the nature of the relationship with the Lord is that it is forever, that we are going to be present with the Lord, in habitation with Him, in proximity, in closeness to Him, 1 John 3. I've got two others, by the way, after this. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Now, we already read 1 John 3, 1 earlier in the message. I'm going to reread it, but show you the next two things after the first verse. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, relationship of family. And what does this fellowship of the family look like? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now, I'm just going to take a moment here and say this. Sometimes we fret too much in the sense of, Am I doing this thing right or am I doing that thing right? If I, should I get that out of my life? Should I get this out of my life? What should I put in my life? Now, I, I know that there, there's truth in pursuing those things. But I want to just kind of help simplify it. If you will get your eyes on Jesus, he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. Just walk with him. Be in surrender to him. But know this, that we are going to be with him. And we as his children are going to be like him. I, I've used this illustration before, especially when I was preaching this point, this concept. But, you know, when you look at these babies, uh, often people say, well, what does that baby look like? I think, well, it looks like a baby. Um, but some of you right away, when that baby is born, you say, oh, that looks just like mom. Or, oh, that looks just like that. And the truth is, as children grow, they take on family resemblances. Why? Because they're in the family. And this is the nature of our fellowship 
with the Lord as that we are being conformed into his image. Why? Because he's faithful to do this in us. Colossians chapter 3 and then John 14 and we're done. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, I'll tell you what, we haven't read for a while together. Read out loud with me, verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. What's the concept? The concept is that the Lord is always inviting us home. Always inviting us home to him. Always inviting us to that fellowship. You know what it's like? I don't know if you've taken a trip recently, but you know what it's like to be away from your home. And you know the sweetness of what it means. Even though you may have loved being with family or friends or other believers, there's something settling about coming home. And this is the nature of God. Always in that fellowship, inviting, up, inviting us to Him who is our home. Last passage, probably one of the more famous passages of being with the Lord. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We read, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on to say, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, listen, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Again, sometimes I feel ineffective as a preacher because I don't feel like I can communicate this in a way that we should appreciate it to its depth. And maybe... That will really only happen when we see him and we enter into that rest of the Lord, that home. My goal in this message today is to invite everybody into this relationship with the Lord where you are family. Everybody, well not everybody, many people on the planet walk around with the concept we're all the children of God. Well, we all have life from God. But he tells us that those that are his children are those that have come to him in faith. So have you come to Christ in faith? Are you a part of the family? Then understanding that if we're in the family, he's made us to be in fellowship with him both now and it is God's plan forever. He is going to come get you 
And he's going to give you a place in heaven that is your own. By the way, can we say this about the place that we have in heaven? There's a lot of different discussion over uh, this place that he's prepared for us. But I can guarantee you this, there's no mortgage. <laughs> Why? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all. There's no mortgage. Guess what? Guess what? There's only no mortgage, but there's no taxes on it either. There's no property tax on your habitation in heaven. Why? Jesus paid. All right, okay, you got it. Yes. He paid it all. He paid it all. The purpose of going where we've gone is to magnify in God's people the relationship that he wants with each one of you here today. And you might feel like your walk with God is shallow, not as close as you want it to be. But I want you to recognize the nature of God. All he is simply saying to you is this. It's an outstretched hand of God that says, come. Come. Come to me. Come to me now. Come to me now. Come to me now. And he also makes this promise. I'm coming back for you. And I'm not just coming back to put on a show. By the way, will that be a show when the Lord comes back? You betcha. It's going to start with a trumpet. Praise God. It's going to start with a trumpet, but it isn't about the show. It's about the presence of Christ. And he's greater than we know. And you know the song. I, I, forgive me, it's a little spontaneous, but it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So gladly run the race till we see Christ. And until then, Walk with him.